Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts, or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. All right, thank you, and on with the show. Hello, and welcome to Kindling Helpline. I'm Siobhan Hunt, and joining me in the studio, as she does every week, is Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm good. How are you? And the look on your fa- face tells me you can't hear through your headphones. No, Am I that's right? right. Okay, well, we'll keep. We'll just, you know, manage. I can hear this. you. <laughs> we'll manage this while we keep on going because this is the time for everyone to um, write their questions into Chris. If you're watching us on Kindling uh, on Facebook Live, I should say. Pop your questions below the video and we'll try to get to them within the next half hour. You can also call us. It's 1-800-KIDS-RADIO or send us a text. And that number is 0437-665-200. So, um, Chris, did you yes. have a nice weekend? Oh, oh you've had yes. A t- you've had a bit of time off. We I haven't seen have. Chris for a little while. <laughs> Look how happy she is. See, everyone, Relaxed. we need a holiday. Yep, mid-year holidays. I, I'd really recommend it. You come back with a glow. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, first off the bat, we have Emma from South Australia on the phone and Emma has a question regarding her one-year-old. Hi Emma, how are you? Hello, good thank you. How are you? I'm very well. What can we do? Um, Okay, so I have a, um, I just newly turned one-year-old and um, he hasn't bounced, he did, he didn't bounce back from his um, so-called four-month regression. Um, (laughs) So we were madly listening to your podcast and um, and the one that really resonated up with us was the um, the one about overfeeding or him him feeding too much on solids yep. and then not feeding as, as effectively on his um, milk feed before bed. So we trialled that with him and it worked beautifully for oh. um yeah for Thank just you. about a month. But oh. <laughs> <laughs> there's always a but. Um, but we headed away last weekend for the long weekend with um, friends and. Um, yeah, since doing that whole communal living and him being in the cot in our room and yep. trying not to um, put other people out um, with that communal living, he just he hasn't bounced back and no. um, we're really struggling. So um, he won't go down, he won't self-settle. Um, he's, oh. yeah, he's just screaming and crying and, and carrying on. So it's a, it's a little bit unsettling for him and for us. Right. So yeah. Okay, so in that time that you were away, what were you doing to get him to sleep? We were using our normal um, sort of routine, routine in terms of yeah. So um, he had he has one nap during the day, which isn't great, but he he was sleeping really well at night. So you know, yeah. take what, yeah. what you can, and um, so that was just you know, bath, books, bedtime, um, walk into the room. He turns the light off. He shuts the door. Quick cuddle. Yeah. Put him into his cot, and um, he's you know happy. He's awake, and just a firm hand on him, and he sort of falls asleep. Um, and that was our routine yep. until. Yeah. And when you went away, was he responding to that as well? He was, um, but I guess, yeah, and then towards the end, of so maybe it was a five-night stay. Um, yeah. First couple of nights, it was okay, and then sort of second Slowly. or third night in, nah, or everything, just he would arch, lower him into his cot, and he'd arch his back and start screaming, yeah. so pick him up, try and comfort him, wait till he's calm, put him back, back down, down, walk away, and you know he's just he's just screaming every yeah. time yeah okay so in the last few days while you've been trying to correct it what eventually gets him to sleep yeah 
they're just falling asleep out of sheer exhaustion on our chair. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So, and what time is he sleeping in the day and what time are you putting him down in the evening? Okay. So, during the day, he's... Um, so he's having a sort of a mid-morning nap at nine nine thirty. We're yep. just we're trying to cut that out because I'm, I'm of, of the understanding that maybe he's getting towards dropping that, but he really does struggle to get to the lunchtime nap. Well, so he's, he's a bit having, young, probably to go. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can make it really short though. Yeah, um, like fifteen minutes. But I would morning nap. Yeah, I would think he's a bit young to drop to one sleep. Generally, okay. Yeah, All right. well, that's good feedback. Yeah. And then sort of twelve twelve thirty, he's his lunch nap, and he. He just, um, yeah, he just doesn't really seem to get past 45 minutes. minutes. Um, But then he's really happy all the way through till bedtime, which is 6.37, depending on how long his lunch nap is. And like I said, he was was going down for about a month. um, He was going down really well without a fuss and he was sleeping sort of 7 p.m. till sort of uh, 5.30, 6am and, and we were quite, quite happy with that because, um, that, you know, that's the best sleep yeah. that we've had for a while. But since going away, we, yeah, we just, um, we can't get him to settle to go to sleep without okay. that real protesting. Okay, so what we're going to do is just regulate his times for a few days so it's really predictable. So at the age of one, he's probably got himself a little bit overtired with this sort of different sleep behaviour and and lack of sleep. Um, So at his age, the time frame in the day is about three and a half hours. So from when he wakes up three and a half hours later, put him down, but only for a 20-minute sleep. So let's say he's up at 6 and you put him down at 9.30, I'd have him up by 10. And then three to three and a half hours later, I'd put him down. Now, what that's going to do is hopefully give him a little bit more sleep in the day so he's not so overtired in the evening so that when we go to change the behaviour around how he goes to sleep, you're not dealing with a really overtired baby who's then going to be, you know, arching his back and screaming and not be able to cope with some self-settling. So lots of people will be trying to reduce the sleep in the hope that they'll go to sleep faster. But what they actually are doing is becoming more and more overtired and not being able to cope at all. So sometimes we go back and give him a bit more sleep. And that first sleep of the day, it almost make incidental. Because usually by 14 months, that sleep has gone. So you're right okay. in that it would be weaning down. And we want to establish that afternoon sleep so that he carries that one through for you for a little while. So that first morning sleep could be in the pram or you're going to do something or the car. But the second sleep, the lunchtime sleep, I put him down in the cot. And then in the evening, put him down the cot. And that'll be the learning experience for him. You've got a good little routine. You know, the stories, cuddle. He's got the control about shutting the door and turning the light off. That's pretty much a one-year-old. So all of that is good. Now, when you lift him into the cot, does he start crying? Or once he's in the cot? um, Yeah, so now he knows when you sort of... He starts his head on your <laughs> collarbone and he gives you a bit of a cuddle. And then as you sort of flip him ah. into the corner of your elbow and then into the cot, he knows. He knows. And his first thing is to grab at your your other shoulder to stop you from flipping ah, him from onto his him. side. And he's very clever. Cot. Yeah, he's pretty stubborn. <laughs> They're like a sure. monkey at that stage. They yeah. hang on for dear life. Okay, <laughs> so what we're going to try and do is... Um, I would do that cuddle a little bit before you get to the cot. So maybe doing the cuddle, then the story, then putting him in the cot. 
because okay. he knows that when the cuddle <laughs> comes, that he's got to hang on for for dear life at that point. So let's do the cuddle, lovely little cuddle, you know, walking, sitting in the room, then a little bit of a story. Then we're just going to put him into the cot, but we're not going to leave straight away because he's got to relearn how to put his head down again and learn how to go to sleep. So then what I would try is to sit just on the floor and keep patting the bed and saying, put your head down, put your head down, it's time for sleep. And then, you know, if he keeps standing up as they do, they stand up, they walk around the cot, then try and put him down, put your hands on him, and then keep saying, time for sleep. Now, this is going to be tough. It took three days to sort of get into that cuddling him to sleep, and this is going to take about three days. So the first thing we've got to teach him is how to put his head down again. So we've got to get him to put his head down. You're going to give him lots of comfort, put your hands on him like you did before. And I suspect the first 24 hours will be really difficult, but the second and the third day it will get easier and he will understand that when you say, put your head down, it's time for sleep, he's going to put the head down. Then you can put your hand on him like you were doing before. So you're using lots of the signals that he had and we're going to reapply them, but I think he's a bit overtired and you're giving the cuddle at the end where he knows to hang on if you move him. So that would be the start of the approach. And I think once you get to that point, it will fall back into the stage where you can put him in the cot, say it's time for sleep, you know, give the the mattress a bit of a pat, let him put his head down, put your hand on him and he'll let you go out of the room like he did. So remember, this has been a really short period that he's been doing Mm. this. So if you get on top of it fairly quickly, the whole pattern will turn around. It hasn't been a month or so. It's just been a really short time. And I think he's just got used to it because he was in a strange environment. But it's really typical behaviour when people go (laughs) away because they're fixing everybody else's problem and the poor little baby becomes unstuck. So give it a go. Use the elements that he knows, um, but he's a bit overtired. So go back to the timing and I'm sure it will all start to turn itself back around. All right. Well, thank you. That's a pleasure. Good luck, Emma. Thank you very much, guys. Bye-bye. This is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue on Kindling Conversation. I'm Siobhan Hunt. And if you would like to ask Chris a question about anything, it could be about weaning, it could be anything to do with sleep, like Emma's question then with her one-year-old, um, or tantrums. We've all got those sorts of issues going on. You can pop your questions below on the Facebook Live if that's how you're listening to us now. If you are listening to us through your radio, you can also um, call us, 1-800-KIDS-RADIO, or send an email to conversation at kindling.com.au. This question is from Erin, who's um, writing on Facebook. Hello, Erin. Thanks for joining us. She has a three-and-a-half-year-old. She says, we're going to be moving house soon. I'm worried that my three-and-a-half-year-old is going to go backwards with his bedtime routine. He's been great in this house. Do you have any tips in regard to making the moving transition smoother for him? We also have eight-month-old twins, but I think oh. they'll be okay with it. Yep. I think you'll be amazed at how well children adjust, and especially a three-and-a-half-year-old who usually has really good communication skills. So uh, first, I wouldn't over-talk the move because sometimes that builds anxiety because they don't know really where they're going. But in that week before you move, I'd take him around to the house. I'd say, that's our new house that we're going to move into. Um, I'd tell him what day we're going. So we're going to go on Thursday and the big truck's going to move everything for him. And you can even set up a little plan. So on Thursday, the truck's coming. On Friday, you're going to move into the house. Whatever the sequence is, it's going to happen with the move. 
And then I wouldn't change anything that you're already doing. So we're not going to move the move. We're not going to blame the moving of the house on the on the child's behaviour because he's sleeping really well. So the one thing I would say is to try and set the room up straight away the way it was back in the old house. So his bed was up against the wall, opposite the door. If you've got that ability to mimic the room the same way, I would do the same set out for him because that'll help him just adjust. And then literally, I would do exactly the same room. Sorry, exactly the same routine and putting him to bed. He might need a little bit more comfort because he's not going to know the sounds of the house like you get used to the sounds in your house. But I wouldn't suddenly um, start letting him come into your bed because we've moved to a new house because I think then that will become a big behaviour. So mimic the normal behaviour and tell him what's going to happen but only in the short period before you move. And I think you'll find that they adjust really, really well. Good luck with that, Erin. The next, the next question is from Rachel. She says, help my four-year-old. That always starts with help. Yeah. My almost 14-month-old goes absolutely crazy when I lay her down and- to change her nappy. Yeah. <laughs> she thrashes around and rolling over and gets herself so worked up and upset crying that she has on occasion vomited. Oh, I have tried nappy pants, but she just sits down and cries. I have also tried a special toy for just yeah. just for her nappy changes, but she throws it away, often hitting herself. She's changed in her um, playmat on the floor um, as it's too dangerous to do it anywhere else. So yeah. that's where she's doing she, it yeah. now. I'm not sure what to do. As she gets bigger, it's getting hard to hold her down to get the job done. Please help. I dread every nappy change and I'm stuck on what to try. Thanks so much, Rachel. That's pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah. So, Rachel, lots of children actually go through this period, but not probably to that extent. So they're they're the runaway children. So you lay them down to change your nappy and they flip really quickly and either crawl or walk or run away. So... The only thing that I could suggest, I think, in this case is, one, she's learnt this behaviour. Like, she's learnt that when you change her nappy, it you know, I, I cry or I carry on or I sit down or I push you away. So I think we need to take, um, take away that experience for her. I would use pull-ups or nappy pants um, for a little while. I think it's a little bit hold... Uh, a little bit more difficult as the weather's getting colder because you have to take trousers down instead of just putting on a nappy pant. So I would go up to her where you're going to change her. So if she's playing, I would just stand her up um, and let her keep playing and then take the nappy pant off and get her to step into the nappy as if they were little underwear. The only difficult one is if she's done a poop and you have to clean it. And I think that one, you're just going to have to fight the fight because there's no other way of getting around that. You've tried the things that we would do is bring out the special toy. They only get it. This is often where they get the phone. You know, you'll see the mums will give them their phone so they lay still. Um, But then the phone becomes the issue then. So I think you've tried the the main trap. Um, tactics that we would use but try her standing up so if she's standing up to a little play um, area just go up and take the nappy off and get her to stand into it Um, and then the only the only benefit to a 14 month old is they don't need as many nappy changes Um, but I'd do it incidentally and see if you can just get her to come around to a very calm way of doing it Um, so is it the nappy 
changing space that she's responding to or the fact they, she's being laid down? The fact that you're taking them away from what they're doing and then lay them down. Okay. So they don't want to be laid down anymore because they're so used to being upright. So this is where the nappy pants work really well. But I go to them where they're playing and try and just do it. If it's just wet and you're just changing it before they may be going for a nap or something, then I just pull it down and keep talking to them about what they're playing and I just get them to step into it, which you're usually really good at at this age, and then pull it back up again. And I think a few experiences of her not crying will change her general behaviour for that poopy nappy that's obviously you're going to have to lay her down for that one. That's when I pull out something very magical, (laughs) um, very, very magical (laughs) to get her to lay down. But, Mm. you know, even um, when I was working with children of that age, sometimes we'd have to put our yeah like an arm on them and try and do a nappy at the same time so it's really difficult but I think she's just got into a habit of crying now with a nappy change so try and make it incidental and you might find that that behavior will settle down good luck Rachel Uh, Amanda on Facebook hi Amanda (laughs) says how would you transition an 18 month old boy into his older brother's room who is three years old in a single bed Currently, my 18-month-old self settles around 7 p.m. in his dark room whilst my three-year-old reads a few stories and starts self-settling with door open and light in hallway and can chat away till about 8 p.m. Oh, um, so do you think they want to put the 18-month-old in a big boy bed? No, no, just in the oh, same room. Just in the same the room. The three-year-old's in, it's in the single, single bed. bed. Okay, so usually what I do is I have the little 18-month-old go into bed. I actually change the three-year-old's behaviour because he's older, he's wiser, and he knows how to change behaviour. So I would put your little 18-month-old, put them in the room together. The first thing I do is start talking about the big boy's room. So it's not Jack's room. So Tom isn't going into Jack's room. We're just making a big boy's room. So we might do something to help that transition, give them a familiar feel to the room that it's a big boy's room. Then the next thing is I would put down the 18-month-old first in the dark as normal and I would explain to the three-year-old that he's a big boy and he's going to have to go down in the dark room. You need at least half an hour between the difference of the first child to the second child. So the first child has to be asleep for half an hour before you can put the second child down, which would work with an 18-month-old and a three-year-old. So 18-month-old might go down to bed at seven, three-year-old, 7.30 or 7.30 and 8, whichever way that might work for you. But you need to do the stories in another room. So we're actually changing the three-year-old's behaviour. So you're a big boy now, the television might go off, you can sit with daddy and mummy, we're going to read the stories, and then we're going to go quietly into the bedroom and you're going to go to sleep. Now, the big difficulty is the light and the door open. So I think before you make this transition, you've got to work on those two things. Maybe the hall light needs to be dimmer so it doesn't shed as much light into the room and start to teach him to um, maybe have the door open just a small amount and you might have to just slowly start bringing that door back to a small amount and then when you've got that done then I think you'll bring them together and and they'll live happily ever after. Oh I like the sound of that. (laughs) I'm sure you do too Amanda. Um, Good luck with that. I hope it works. This is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue on Kindling Conversation. I'm Siobhan Hunt. If you'd like to ask Chris a question about anything from weaning to toddler tantrums, pop your questions below if you're watching and listening to us via Facebook Live or if you're tuning in via Kindling Conversation podcast, you can send us an email at conversation at kindling.com.au and Chris will answer your question 
potentially next Monday. Um, We've got a question from Hayley on Facebook. She says, help my, oh, hold on. Yes, this is the right one, is it? Yes. Help. My four-year-old girl is very defiant and as a result, we're having lots of behavior issues. She is very strong-willed when I don't think, which I don't think is a bad thing, but we are having trouble dealing with it. I'm with you on that. I've got a strong-willed girl as well. She doesn't listen to us and ignores what we say bit harder to deal with. We have in- introduced a pasta jar where we re- reward oh. good behavior and try to ignore naughty behavior, but it's not really working. Do you have any suggestions? I think you're coming from the right space in ignoring the bad behavior and praising the good behavior. That's a sort of a common theme in behavior. But the thing is, she's been defined. So, so somewhere she's got to work out where the consequence lays. So that might be the only thing. I think you're doing the right thing. I also think you've got to pick your battles. And I really think it's about how the beha- uh, how the family function. So if you've got, say, a four-year-old that goes to daycare four days out of five, which isn't unusual for four-year-olds, and they've been really good for four, you know, four days in a row, and then they get home to their parents and their behaviour becomes really erratic it's because they've spent four days being really good you know you really know good I can see how that happens because my kids yeah. everyone says they're so well behaved they are never well behaved with me yeah because I think that's the space where they can release and they can practice and they can try and so that can really overwhelm parents who are working or who you know just ha- haven't got that mental energy for a, for a four-year-old, which you completely understand. Yes, I do. <laughs> so what you have to do is pick your battle. Don't get at her about everything. Pick the things that really matter to you and you or your partner and focus in on those. So if there's maybe a family value or a social behavior that she's doing that's really unattractive, then just stick with that one thing. So I'm trying to think of something relevant to a four-year-old, but one might be being rude, like, um, or the most common one is, no, I'm not getting dressed. Just because, well, that slows the whole house down. So no, I'm not getting dressed. The first thing with that one is I'd get them dressed as soon as they get out of bed. So they they haven't even worked out that you're dressing them. So amazing. I've been doing that lately. And and it works. So great. So we've eliminated now something we're going to fight about might be the fact that um, she won't eat what you've put down with her uh, put down for her then just let that one go she'll she'll come round to it and if you read any of the blogs with you know food dietitians they'll say just leave it alone they'll come back to it so really pick the things that matter and and then i think sometimes what happens is a very gentle consequence if you do this we'll do that if you're rude to people then there will be no story from mummy and daddy tonight or mummy tonight. And I think it's not something that impacts their life, but it's effective because that is a time where they get your attention. So if she's been diabolical all day, you just need to say to her, well, tonight there is no stories. Now, it doesn't mean she's not going to get loved. It doesn't mean she's not going to get a hug before she goes to bed. She's not getting that one-on-one attention. And then, you know, she'll work it out. If she wants that hug or she wants that story, I mean, sorry, if she wants that story, she'll start to change her behaviour. So first you've got to look at what's going on around in their world. How much are we pushing them? And then think of a gentle consequence to the main behaviour 
and see if that starts to make a difference in in what's happening for her. And I've got to say, Hayley, my son is four years old, and I know girls and boys can be quite different because I have an older girl. And um, I, he has just ratcheted up the... <laughs> being a boy, not listening kind of behavior. And this morning I knelt down in front of him and I basically said, um, oh, and she's also running away as well. Okay. This is, that's something that Chris can address. But what I found with Arlo, and this is purely anecdotal, not on the level of experience of Chris, but for me in our house, I knelt down because I, you know what I realized? I realized I had it. No, no, I wasn't shouting. I just realized I hadn't told him what I expected of him. So I knelt down. I was on his level and I said, this is so funny. It's such a four-year-old thing. I said, honey, I just want you to try something for me. I said, when someone asks you a question, when someone says your name and asks you a question, I want you to try to stop and look them in the eye and answer them. Yeah. just that. Okay. Let's practice. And we tried it. And I am a hundred percent sure this isn't always going to work, but I hadn't asked. He didn't know what I expected. So every time I went, Arlo, Arlo, Arlo. And he's just blah, 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 blah. But you know what you actually did? Mm. You gave him time. Yeah. So you see it as explaining what you want him to do. But what Arlo saw is, wow, mummy's talking to me. Mm. So, you know, you got it. You got the result. And hopefully... (laughs) He will, he will demonstrate it. Yeah. <laughs> but actually what he also got was a bit of your one-on-one, eye-to-eye. And yes. eye-to-eye is really important for boys. Yes. Far more important than girls. Girls can tell you what happened across the room. But boys, really important on the eye-to-eye contact. Mm. And what Arlo went was, this is great. Mummy's- Mum's got all, I've got mum's attention. So I can play this game and I can learn it in repetitive mm. behaviour. What about this running away thing? Sorry, I don't want to transgress. No, because, um, but it's a similar thing. Mm-hmm. They're similar behaviours. Yeah. They're, they're defiance. He's running away from you in defiance. Oh, no, no, sorry. He's not running away. Hayley's um, oh. saying her little girl is running and away. Oh, is she? As well as that defiant behaviour. So it's the same thing, though. She's running away because that gets attention. But the same, the same thing as you just said, when they run, it depends on the circumstances of her running away. So the most common one is in the park. We're going home now, and they take off in the opposite direction. That would drive me nuts. That, <laughs> that me is nuts. a really common one. So, again, gentle, gentle behaviour. I'd, I'd wait for them to come back. I've got a lot of patience. I would just stand there and wait for them to come back. Once they came back, though, I'd give her a consequence. We're going home now. Tonight, there's no stories. So my consequence is not out of anger. I'm not shouting at them. But I'm saying, if you do that behavior, because effectively, all these behaviors are not listening. That's effectively what they're doing. So what I'm saying is, if you're not listening, then this is the consequence. No stories tonight. No in the night garden, whatever the thing is, no octonauts. Um, and that becomes the consequence. And then you'll see them choosing. They'll, you'll see them choosing the behaviour. Should I listen? Should I not? But it's actually very difficult at this age to get them to listen. So you have to you have to have a lot of patience, that skill of patience. Mm. And, and we're a bit short on time, so we're a bit short on patience. Mm. But you were right. Getting down on their level is absolutely. But when they're halfway across the park, getting down on their level, <laughs> so not going to work. Running after them. <laughs> but, but the more you run... The more they they run. run. I know. (laughs) So you're not running. (laughs) It brings it down. I hope that helps, Hayley, and I'm feeling your pain. I'm feeling your pain. Um, You are listening to Kindling Helpline. This is 
uh, Kindling Conversation with Chris Minogue. I'm Siobhan Hunt. We have time for just one more question, but remember, if we didn't get to yours today, we will be back next Monday and Chris will be answering questions live again. Uh, Bronwyn has a question about her 10-week-old. She's currently trying to teach her baby... 10-week-old, to sleep in his bassinet during the day, previously baby war, but that is getting too tricky trying to look after the nearly two-year-old toddler. <laughs> I can pat rock him to sleep in the bassinet, which can take a while, but then he will only sleep for 20 minutes. At that point, I've been putting him back in the carrier for the remainder of the sleep time. I've been doing this for four days so far. Just after advice on where to go from here, does he need to be able to put himself to sleep before I work on resettling in the bassinet, or should I be doing that now? How do you suggest I go about teaching him how to resettle? Okay, so he's in the right age group for resettling, um, and people have very varied versions of what resettling means, but what we're trying to do is just get him to extend his sleep. And I think what I would do with a 10-week-old is I would, for about a week, give consistent message about going to sleep and then I would try and resettle in his bed for at least 10 minutes before I picked him up and put him in a pouch to gain the rest of that sleep because he is still very young. Um, so I would concentrate on getting him to, to sleep in the bed. Now I know you're doing that thing called the juggle. You know, I'm settling a baby. That two-year-old could have a knife running out the back door. Um, so try it mainly with the resettling in the same way that you settle him on the days where maybe your two-year-old is out of the house. Um, But I would do what you said. I would work on the settling first, get him going to sleep really well, and then you need about three or four days where you repeat the same behaviour to um, do the resettling. But the key to settling him is he needs to go down awake into his bassinet so that when he wakes up, he knows that's the place at where he's going to go back to sleep. So if he goes to sleep or gets very sleepy in your arms and you put him in the bassinet and you think he's going to sleep, he's not and he's not learning to go to sleep from the place of being put into his bed. So the key thing to, at now is to remember to, for him to be awake, be put down into his bed and go to sleep. Get really good at that. Give yourself a little week or so. Get yourself good at that. Then start implementing it as a resettle. But don't get him out of the bed until you've tried resettling for 10 minutes because otherwise I think he's going to link waking up and going into the pouch as the way he sleeps. Good luck, Bronwyn. And um, thank you, everyone, for your questions. Thank you for joining us on Facebook or for on the podcast or wherever you are. Chris, thank you so much <laughs> it's for a your pleasure. time. And um, I'd just like to say, I don't often say this, but it just made me think then that you're all going to leave this conversation and head back to your babies or your toddlers or whoever it is that um, is throwing a few challenges your way. And I just hope that this advice has helped you. And um, I wish you luck in this afternoon and all the way through until next week when you can call in or write in and ask some more questions of Chris. Thank you so much for your time again, Chris. Pleasure. 